Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. And good morning to you too. I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Great to be together as a church family this morning, both online and at the Lake Norman YMCA. Always good to worship together as a church family. Whether you're cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there's room for you here. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. Well, as Holly already let the cat out of the bag, but... uh, Today we turn 10 years old. It's our 10th, 10th birthday. I mean, how fun is that? How often do you get to add a whole decimal place to your age? It won't happen uh, again in, in many of our lifetimes. Maybe one or two folks in the room. Yeah, Sorry, Benji. But it has been 10 years, hasn't it? We, we have worshipped at the Davidson K-8 gym, the Davidson K-8 cafeteria with and without AC, the music room, a Quaker house. Ada Jenkins on a snow day, all around the community on serve day, uh, alongside Gethsemane Baptist on Christmas Eve in our homes in a field with roosters at the Lake Norman YMCA. We have celebrated new life. We have celebrated and mourned as people we love have gone home to live with God. We have seen eight people preach their first sermon. We have celebrated 110 people's baptisms. We have uh, watched hundreds of us grow deeper in our faith through community, hundreds of us grow deeper in our faith through serving. Whatever these first 10 years have been, they have been an adventure. 10 years down, how many more to go? (laughs) A bunch, I hope. A bunch. At that very first service, were any of you there at the very first service? There's no videotape, thank goodness. Few folks, good, good. There, I was there, Mandy, we were there, yeah. Uh, engaged at the time, not married yet. Uh, at that very first service, we put sign-up sheets in all the chairs and ask everyone to sign up to serve in some way. In other words, we're glad you're here, so glad, in fact, that we want you to be meaningfully involved. I still have those sign-up sheets from the first service because each of us owe a debt of gratitude to those folks who took a new step of faith, of generosity with their time. So now on our 10th birthday, we are doing something similar because today marks the beginning of our Established in Love campaign to begin to raise money, secure commitments to build our church building on South Main Street in Davidson. And so we put an Established in Love booklet in every chair. We are so glad you're here, so glad, in fact, that we want you to be meaningfully involved. Now, if you're online, there's not an Established in Love booklet on your chair, but there is a website. As uh, you may know, later in this year, with the blessing of Lake Forest, we're going to become a standalone local church called Story Hill Church. So if you go right now to storyhill.org, that would be the long-term church's website, but right now it's a landing page for Established in Love. So if you are at home, go to storyhill.org and you can get most of the same information as you'll get in this here fine booklet. But I still want you to have a booklet. So reach out to me and I will be sure you get a booklet. It's sort of like a 10-year keepsake. If you've been here one day or all 10 years, it's kind of like a keepsake of the first 10 years. So at this point, what I'm sort of asking everybody to do is to take the book, take it home, or ask for the book, go to the website, 
begin to learn to study, to read about all that's going on in the life of the church. Start to think and pray about how you can be meaningfully part of this next step in the life of our church. The step of a, a new step of faith, a new step of generosity that will make an impact for generations to come. Holly pointed out, we do have two events. We're going to keep talking about Established in Love on Sunday mornings. Not going to beat you over the head with it, but we are going to keep talking about it. But we do have those two events coming up, and I would ask you to prioritize being at one of those two events. So on the 22nd, next Sunday at 1230, on the land, you can come, you can learn more about the building, learn more about this process, ask questions that you have. That's next week on the land. Please RSVP so we don't run out of food. That's always tacky to run out of food. The next Sunday, the 29th at 4 p.m., I'll do a Facebook Live if you would prefer or if you missed the On the Land event. But same information, same ability to ask questions, all that sort of thing. I just ask you to prioritize being there either on the 22nd or the 29th so you can learn more, more than we can say on a Sunday, more than we can even contain in this beautiful booklet or on a website. We would love it. But if you look in the very back of the booklet, what you'll notice is that there is a commitment card and an explanation, there's also a commitment card online, an explanation of, about some of the nuts and the bolts of the campaign. Big picture, we're asking for three-year commitment that's over and above your regular giving. Your regular giving funds the ministry and mission of the church week in and week out. This is an over and above ask for the one-time work of financing a church building. So three-year commitment over and above what you would normally give to the life of the church. And we're asking everybody to start thinking and praying now in anticipation that you will turn in your commitment card on or before September 19th. On or before September 19th. On or before. How many times is it before you like memorize something? I don't know. We're 24. Here we go. On or before. September 19th. Very good. So a three-year commitment over and above what you regularly give to the church. Turn in your commitment card on or before September 19th. Now is sort of the time to start thinking, start praying about what it will mean for you to be meaningfully involved in this step in the life of the church. On our 10th birthday, though, what I really wanted to do is celebrate a God story. A story, a snapshot of how we've seen God at work in a person's life. So will you join me in welcoming my friend and yours to be, Lindsay Ammons. All you. And thank you all to whoever adjusted this to the short person level. Um, good morning, Lake Forest Davidson. Many of you, maybe I know because I am on staff, but many of you, maybe I know even in the years prior, but it's an honor to get to share my God story with you today. My first Sunday at Lake Forest Davidson was Easter Sunday, 2015. I loved the message. I came back for a few, few weeks, but I faded away as I often did when it came to attending church. Months later, and for various reasons, I started to see a Christian counselor. I was sure that being Christian meant that she would be nice, but quickly told her that I didn't think I needed God yet. I thought I, had my life, I thought I had to have my life more together to have God be a part of it. But what I found was that the opposite was true. It didn't take long for me to return to Lake Forest in February of 2016. I took Welcome 101. At this time, I was 31. 
and I was feeling bitter about circumstances in my life. I had spent years lost in a dysfunctional family system, which included the disease of addiction in many family members. I felt alone and embarrassed that my life didn't look like that of other people's my age. From the beginning of 2016 to the end of 2018 are what I like to call the whiplash years of my life. <laughs> After taking Welcome 101, I started serving on the pack-up team. I said yes to being in a community group, but said I wasn't ready to join. I was cautious, I was curious, and I was committed to my faith, but not ready to be committed to church. The Lord was starting to root out fears and insecurities that had kept me from him for years. And he continually called me to say yes to things that made me uncomfortable. Going to women's ministry events, every retreat that was offered, somehow being asked to speak at these retreats, attending Bible studies and saying yes to serving in kids are a few examples. The game changer was being taught to read the Bible for myself and feeling like my questions, and I mean all of my questions, were safe. At the end of 2016, I was baptized and joined Lake Forest Davidson. In January of 2017, after trying to say no at least three times, the best and yet most hesitant yes of all of them was agreeing to try serving in youth ministry. Because of the warmth of leaders and the joy of middle school students, I fell in love after 15 minutes of Pathfinders. Five months later, I was asked to consider applying for the job I now have as our youth ministry coordinator. I was working for an online startup where I managed web development and customer service, had a random collection of three undergraduate degrees, and had only a few books of the Bible under my belt. Nothing on paper qualified me, in my mind, to be on staff. I applied not even sure I wanted the job, but feeling confident in the process that the Lord was up to something. In those years, I was experiencing God for the first time. He was busy redeeming the broken pieces of my heart, many of which I didn't know existed until they were being held up against the grace of his love. I wish I could say it was all sunshine from there, but unfortunately a new darkness was approaching. In January of 2019, at 29 years old, my brother lost his 11-year battle with addiction and died of an overdose. That whole year was an atomic bomb of grief and for me included a lot of anxiety, many days of not wanting to leave my home, and quite frankly, a very fuzzy memory for most of what happened in the months that followed. It is because of Jesus that I unconditionally loved my brother through what I didn't know would be his final years. His death would be the first of many over the last three years, including my grandmother this past January. She passed away after a short, short and hard-fought battle with COVID-19, merely four days before the second anniversary of my brother's death. I have spent most of this year trying to untangle the collision of those two events. Because the Lord went before me in such mighty ways, I have not done any of this alone. Even when I've fallen back into old patterns and tried to rely solely on myself. These past six and a half years have had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Yet through it all, the Lord has used this family of believers to anchor me to himself once and for all. Thank you, Lindsay. So as we do the established and loved journey over these next weeks, what we need to remember is that a church building is not the Holy Grail. A church building is a tool for long-term, vibrant ministry in the community. 
a church building is ultimately our prayer that the God stories that we've seen over these first 10 years might be built upon and replicated for generations to come. Today, we continue our series of sermons called The Story with a capital S. This whole year, we've been walking through the big picture of the Bible, that God from the beginning of time has been writing a great story in this world. He invites us to come and find our place in it. We're trying to make the Bible a little less big, a little less intimidating, so we have some resources that can help you with that. A reading plan, for example, videos you can watch. Throughout the first half of the Bible, we've been hearing about a coming hero, a wounded champion, a suffering servant, the Messiah, the Christ, who's going to lead an eternal kingdom. And now in the second half of the Bible, we're introduced to this person named Jesus as the one we've been waiting for, Jesus the Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ. He's the hero of all history. He's the wounded champion, the suffering servant. He's fully God and fully human. God wrapped himself in humanity and moved in the neighborhood. He came to earth on a rescue mission for you and for me. He came to reconcile us to God. Jesus came to establish God's kingdom and to do so in love. And Jesus invites you and he invites me into that kingdom that our lives might center on him, that our lives might be a little less about ourselves and more about what God is doing in the world. I read a statistic recently that said every year around 6,000 new books are published about Jesus or Christianity, and that's just in the English-speaking world. So every year over a million pages are published about in English pages are published about Jesus or what has happened in his wake. So where do you even start? If you're like Lindsay and you wandered in here, uh, kind of interested about God, but not really yet committed, where do you even start? And if you don't start today, you'll be a million pages behind by next year. Our passage this morning, what Kevin read for us earlier, Matthew chapter 4, 17 to 24, Matthew chapter 4 is a really good place to start. If you don't have a Bible, of course, you can always take the one on the table on your way out the door. These are Jesus' first, some of the first words of his earthly ministry. They're kind of an inaugural address before all the spin, before all the pontificating, before he's asked thousands of questions. Jesus says this, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. So Jesus has been born to the Virgin Mary. We know very little, just a little bit about his childhood. He then as an adult comes to be baptized by John. After he is baptized by John, God says of him, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus then goes into the wilderness where he is tempted for 40 days. He, he stands up to that temptation. He successfully faces it. And then he begins to preach. And what does he preach? Have faith and all your problems will go away. Give to the Established in Love campaign or else. He begins by preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In fact, that's very similar to what John the Baptist had been preaching in the years before Jesus. Both John the Baptist and Jesus knew that this was a pivotal moment in human history. It was a time to repent for God's kingdom had come near. What does it mean to repent? Repent means to change your direction, to change your thinking based on remorse or humility. Change your direction, change your thinking, 
based on remorse or humility. Repenting is about change, and it can refer to changing directions. I was going this way, now I'm going that way. Or thinking, I used to think this way, now I think that way. And the reason for the change is remorse. The reason for the change is humility. So at the core of his earthly ministry, Jesus says it's time to repent. It's time for you and me to change. It's time to look around, look around at the world, look around at our lives, look around at the state of our relationship with God, and be humbled by it. Be remorseful about it. But let that humility, let that remorse push us to say some scary words. And those scary words are, it's time to change. Why is it time to change? Jesus says, because the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom has come near. And if you've just spent the last seven months going through the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, you know those are some really important words. Because in the Old Testament, we are promised that God is going to send us a deliverer, the Messiah, the Christ, and He's going to change the world. He's going to establish and lead an eternal kingdom. So when you say, Jesus the Christ, or Jesus Christ, and I know you only say that at church, when you say Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Christ, what you are saying is, Jesus is God's promised deliverer. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ, the leader of God's eternal kingdom. God's kingdom has come near, Jesus says, because I'm on the earth. It's time to change. God's kingdom has come. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's plan, just as he desires to be the fulfillment of your life. Jesus understood himself to be at the center of God's plan, just as he desires to be at the center of your life. So he came preaching, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. So Jesus is preaching his message, right? It's time to change. God's kingdom is here. I've come to establish God's eternal kingdom. He is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake. It would be like calling it the Sea of Norman. It's really a lake. And he comes upon two brothers. There's Simon and there's Andrew. Now you're going to want to remember this Simon fella. Jesus is, in the weeks ahead, going to change the name he goes by, and he's going to be a very pivotal character, a pivotal person after the resurrection of Jesus. So Simon and Andrew are fishermen. Jesus comes up to them. Verse 19, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, in the Bible, there are four books of the Bible that talk about the ministry of Je- talk directly about the ministry of Jesus. They're often called the four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. When you read some of the others, like Luke, you realize a little more happened here than Matthew captured for us. But what Matthew is trying to emphasize is some of the words, some of the earliest teachings, the earliest invitations of Jesus. That's what Matthew is emphasizing. So he's emphasized Jesus' first invitation was repent, God's kingdom has come near. 
The second invitation is, come follow me. I'll send you out to fish for people. So the first invitation is that it's time to change because I'm establishing God's kingdom. But what does it mean to change? Well, that's where we need the second invitation, where Jesus says, come, follow me. Jesus is not here to preach self-improvement, sheer willpower. He's not telling you to change yourself. He's calling you. He's calling me. He's inviting you. He's inviting me, just like he invited Simon, just like he invited Andrew. He's inviting us into a relationship that will change us. Once remorse or once humility has convinced us that it's time to change, Jesus' invitation is, come follow me. Come and be changed in a relationship with me. Come and walk with me. Come and learn from me. Rely on me day in and day out. I will reconcile you to God. I will transform you from the inside out. It won't always be easy, but I'm for you, not against you. Come, follow me. Walk with me. Then Jesus tells the brothers, he's going to send them out to fish for people. Huh? I mean, that sounds painful for the people. What a strange little thing to say. Well, we have to remember that he is talking to fishermen. So what he is doing in a clever little way is he is inviting them into God's redemptive mission in the world. Jesus is inviting Simon, Jesus is inviting Andrew to come to him so that Jesus can repurpose their skills, repurpose their resources for the kingdom so that their lives can make an impact in this world, but an impact not just for their own well-being, but an impact for God's kingdom. Simon and Andrew are so captured by this that they say yes. Then the passage tells us that James and John, their sons of a guy named Zebedee, they say yes as well. Jesus is starting to build this small little band of people who are following him. They start traveling around, and Jesus preaches about the good news to repent because the kingdom is here. Come, follow me. I will repurpose you. I will repurpose your skills. I will repurpose your resources for God's kingdom. Word about Jesus begins to spread, and people start to bring him those who are sick in hopes that he will heal them. So in all the millions of pages that have been written about Jesus this year, I, I, I can safely say, though I have not read all of them, I can safely say no one has yet improved upon the two statements at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. The first one is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The second is, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Can you say those with me? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. 
He came to establish God's kingdom and to do so in love. He came to establish a kingdom, a people, a family of those who've come to trust God, those who've come to live our lives under God's watchful care, those of us who've, who've come to say, I serve God above all others. I live a life that's a little less about myself. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than my desires. It's bigger than all the little G gods that vie for my attention. The really good news here is that Jesus is inviting you into this. These words are not just part of an interesting historical document. They're not just a good way to fill up sermon time on the 10th birthday. Jesus' words are an active invitation to you, an active invitation to me, an active invitation to everyone, past, present, and future. Come, follow me. Come, invite me into the center of your life. Once you're even sort of convinced that I'm at the center of God's plan, and I will change you, I will repurpose you in a good way. I will repurpose you. I will repurpose you and your skills and your resources and your scars. I will repurpose you for God's kingdom so that you and I together might make a hopeful and a redemptive impact in a hurting and a rebellious world. A hopeful, a redemptive impact in a hurting, rebellious world. If you were here the first week of the year, you might remember that the first chapter of the Bible says this. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. So that the highest use of a human life is to point people back to God. But in our rebellion, that got obscured. So now Jesus has come to restore it to help us get to the point where we realize that our skills and our resources have really been put there by God and that their highest and best use is to point people back to God, to let people experience God's love full of grace and truth. Jesus still invites us, even today, repent and follow me. Jesus still offers, even today, to repurpose us to restore us to who God created us to be. So if someone were to come up to you on the street this afternoon and say, what is the goal of the Established in Love campaign? You could say, well, the goal is that we have a commitment goal of $4.8 million. That's a big goal. But what you should also tell them is that the, the second goal, which may actually be the first goal, is this. The spiritual growth of the congregation. The goal of this is the goal of everything a church does. Our church does. The spiritual growth of the congregation. As you and me take a spiritual step, a new step in faith, a new step of generosity, as we participate in what Jesus is doing, repurposing our skills, repurposing our desires, repurposing our resources for God's kingdom, helping us build a life that's a little less about ourselves, a little more about what God is doing in this world. It's time to change. God's kingdom has come. Does that mean change yourself? No, it means come, follow Jesus, and I will repurpose your life for God's kingdom. 
So let me ask you to reflect on a question as I start to wind down. The question for you to reflect on, Lindsay already kind of primed the pump for us a little bit earlier. Over the last 10 years, how have you seen Jesus transform you? Your desire to follow him. The use of your skills and resources for God's kingdom. Over the last 10 years, how have you seen Jesus transform you? How have you seen him transform your desire to follow him? How have you seen him transform your desire that, or the use of your skills and resources for God's kingdom? I put the yours in quotes because I think as we grow in our faith, we begin to realize they were put there by God in the first place. Much like how... Uh, <laughs> So we were delivered, our daughter had surgery a few weeks ago, and so some folks in the church have brought us meals, and one family brought us a tub of, of watermelon, and I don't mean to complain, but I wish they had brought our youngest daughter her own tub, because I give her one, and she will not share it with me any longer. She's eaten about the whole tub all by herself. Now, as she grows up, hopefully she'll realize uh, she didn't go out and get that watermelon herself. It was given to her as a gift. Maybe she could share it a little bit. I hope that she's listening to this sermon, by the way. I'm really tore up about how much of my watermelon she ate the other night. But I guess my point is, as we grew up in our faith, a lot of what we've always thought is ours, we realized, was put there by God in the first place. It was a gift that Jesus in his goodness is going to repurpose for God's kingdom. As you reflect on the last 10 years, I hope you'll just take some time to do it. To just reflect on where God has brought you over the last 10 years. And look, as you do that, I'm sure you will realize there's still work to be done. And good news, we will still be here next Sunday because of that. But this is a time to just stop and reflect. Stop and savor. Pause and celebrate how far God has brought you. Even if it's the simple fact you're sitting in a church service today. Pause and celebrate how far God has brought you. And if you're somebody like Lindsay when she first wandered in, I just want to remind you that when either humility or remorse convinces you it's time for change, Jesus' invitation is still the same. Come, follow me. Be transformed. Be repurposed in a relationship with me. There is always room for one more person in God's kingdom. There's always room for one more person in our church family because of Jesus. So at the end of the year, we will become uh, a standalone local church called Story Hill Church. So the name changes and all that kind of stuff. So I say for the very last time, Happy birthday, Lake Forest Davidson. Happy birthday. We'll be kind of in between the names for the next three, four months. You'll figure it out. You're smart people. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God, to listen to God about whatever he's stirring up in your heart or in your mind. Just take a quiet moment for personal prayer.
Lord, I do thank you for each person in worship today. I thank you for each person in our church family. I thank you for the work you have done in each life over these last 10 years. Lord, I thank you in advance for the work you will continue to do in each life. And I pray you'll use all kinds of things, the situations we're in, this Established in Love campaign, I pray you'll use the years ahead to do even greater work in our lives. Lord, I pray we would never outgrow the simple invitation that it's time to change. So come follow me and I will repurpose your life. Lord, for those of us who feel very much on the front end of our spiritual journey, maybe today is the day where humility or remorse causes us for the first time to do what Simon and Andrew did what Lindsay did, what so many others have done, saying a not-all-that-confident yes to you. May you receive our yes, however faltering our voice our heart might be, as worship, as our commitment to you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand, let's worship together with our voices, our prayer requests and offering online. Those here in the gym, we have our baskets here and by the door so that you can worship with those. Let's worship.